willing to be here and thrilled, thrilled to be here. It's a, it's a joy to do this and uh, be gathered with you here today. It, it, it really is. We've looked forward to it and hope we can just be a blessing in the short time that we have to share together. But I was thinking about this uh, opportunity to talk about the history of our church, and I think it's probably, it kind of ranks right below uh, being asked to talk about your grandchildren. <laughs> you know, it's not exactly hard duty. This is, this is great fun uh, for me, and just to think of what the Lord's done, it's a, it's a joy to do that. So I'd like to point us to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 to begin with here. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. The apostle is dealing here with a divided church, and there's a lot of trouble that they're facing that way. And uh, as he addresses those divisions, Paul says something very important about the work of the local church. So he's kind of not looking at the immediate context of the divisions that were in the church, but looking really at the underlying foundations of what, how he was talking to them about those divisions and how they were to think about those divi divisions. Uh, we could go to chapter 12. I just read that this morning. And in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, he talks about the body. You don't understand who you are. You are the body of Christ. And so these divisions are really a reflection that they don't know who they are. But as we look at chapter 3, I'd like to point to verse 5. Again, realizing the immediate context are these divisions. He says, what then is Apollos? What is Paul? servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything. That is, it, it doesn't rest on them. They're not the all-important, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants, he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building." Notice verse 6 again, God gave the growth. So verse 7, it is only God who gives the growth. As We'll talk a little bit more about this in the hour to come, but there's a lot of gimmicks that churches can uh, apply to see growth, to try to realize growth. There, in fact, there's some things you can do that almost just attract a crowd. And uh, this is not at all the way the Apostle Paul's thinking. I don't think it's the way this church is calibrated or thinking. I think it's important that we continue to think in the right way. That uh, church growth is connected to what God is doing, to where he is at work. And that's the, the real growth. I would uh, say it this way. Uh, God glorifying church growth is realized through patient, persistent pursuit of all that the risen Christ wants his church to be in utter dependence upon the Holy Spirit to accomplish what he alone can do to save and purify God's people. I want to underline here that patient, persistent pursuit of all that the risen Christ wants his church to be. What does the risen Christ want Crystal Lake Baptist Church to be? What does he, what is his vision? That vision, that orientation should direct our way forward and should be our focus. And knowing then that only God can give that kind of growth. 
It's not what some individual does. Obviously, he uses people. The Lord uses people, but it's God who gives the growth. So uh, I've been asked to share the story of our church's experience over the last three decades, and uh, very thankful for the opportunity to do that. But it, I, I, let me say up front, I'm an imperfect pastor, and our church is an imperfect church. There's a lot of weaknesses and trials and difficulties that we work through in a fallen world, and as you do. But we're very thankful for the way God has proven faithful through the years, and how we've seen that he does indeed give growth. He changes people, he changes uh, churches, and he develops them, but it's through patient, persistent pursuit of what Christ wants the church to be. It's not something that happens overnight. It's not gimmicks that you can play. It's not a new method that you can employ that nobody ever thought of before that's trending right now. It's really about being faithful to what the New Testament teaches and really striving to bring our church into line with that. So with that being said, uh, the story of God's goodness through the years, I'm going to do this somewhat visually uh, for you. And uh, believe me, you'll see where cameras got better. <laughs> this goes back to ancient history. <laughs> they're like, they're not black and white, but they're pretty close, <laughs> some of these pictures. But we go back to Burnsville Baptist Church, which is our original name. We, we did some moving in there, which is what led to the name change to now Eden Baptist. But uh, Beth and I came to the church in 19... Uh, Sounds weird to say that, 19, uh, 1989, way back then. Uh, and we first were located in the Diamond Head Mall. I'm gonna, some of this will be sort of oriented toward location, but I want to fill in um, ideas as we go through here. I didn't, when is my chariot turned to pumpkin? At, uh, 10.30. 10.30. Okay, all right, I got to really fly. Uh, that's where we met first, if you've ever seen the... Um, District 191 of uh, Diamond Head Mall. That's where we met for many years. Uh, when we first came there, we weren't even paying rent. It's a long story, but God opened up that opportunity for us, and we were thankful to be able to just hang out in there. It wasn't a very lovely place. These are our, our front doors, uh, the entrance into our building. And our first day, uh, well, this was our gathering that day. That's every head that identified with uh, eventually Eden Baptist Church um, on any way, shape, or form. There's five people in there that are visitors from out of state, but we had five people missing for the picture. So that gives you the whole idea. A lot of young kids, young families just getting started. We were deeply impoverished, I can tell you, as a church. Those folding chairs were borrowed. Uh, we didn't own a phone. We didn't own any equipment. We didn't even have an office uh, we just kind of were squatting in this location. This is looking at the front of our auditorium, and uh, some of you will know the song leader, Rocky Ranch. Just, just imagine him leading songs. Uh, and that's looking to the back of our auditorium. Um, I don't know quite who those two are <laughs> anymore, but that was... Uh, I, I was actually just finishing seminary. I was working on two seminary degrees when I came to the church and within four months graduated uh, from seminary. So that's how we looked back then. And uh, we were bright-eyed and absolutely confused and over our heads uh, when it came to leading a church. But 
uh, seriously, the Lord had g- given me a, a good foundation in seminary, and I, what I've just shared with you is what I believe from the beginning. The church should be oriented toward what Christ wants it to be and to rely upon Him to grow the assembly. But uh, I want to say that those two looking at you there are very inexperienced people, and the grace of the church to allow us to grow, to allow us to make mistakes, to allow us to confess sin at times, to um, figure things out along the way. They were gracious, and it helped that uh, we were right, I'm, I think we were two families older than us, <laughs> even though we were in our uh, like 25, well, 27 and 25 years of age, but you know, it was a very, very young church, so that, that helped. But uh, even still, there was great patience with us, and I encourage you along that way. You have two young pastors, and they're figuring things out, and you, there's, there's youth in, and age in this church, and both are good, and you need both. But um, be gracious with them. Allow them to make mistakes. They'll do some things they'll never do again somewhere along the line, and they develop abilities as well that just take a long time to nurture um, we came to the church in uh, a season of trial and difficulty for us as a couple. We lost the first six pregnancies that, uh, of our marriage, in our marriage, and so uh, we were in the middle of that as we came to the church, and it, God used it, I think, uniquely to just open up a conversation about suffering and how we relate to God in the midst of suffering and how we don't relate to God in the midst of suffering. And God just gave us the, the mercy of being, um, of trusting him, of loving him, of putting our confidence in him, even though uh, we were, of course, deeply disappointed and unsure that we would ever have children. The other thing that he did in that is allowed Beth to work full time, which allowed me to work full time at the church, even though I wasn't paid full time or anywhere close. But it allowed me to pour my life into that assembly, and God used that greatly. Uh, we were kicked out of the upper level of Diamond Head Mall, quite a story there, but God clearly moved us out and put us in the upper level of a dying mall, and we took the place of a drugstore, a Snyder drugstore, and when Snyder drugstore left that place, they stripped it bare. They took everything out. The shelving just ripped it out of the floor, everything on the walls, they ripped out of the walls, uh, they took the carpet up. The only thing was cement and glue on the, on the floor. And it was a really, really ugly place. But again, we weren't paying rent. Uh, they were just letting us squat there. And we didn't ask questions as to whether it was legal or not. But a couple of pictures from this. Uh, you can see the restroom sign on the f- right middle. And, uh, the be- and, and the stuff that they took out of the walls and that little window up there, you know, where they have those in drugstores a lot of times, kind of, I guess, to, to uh, work against theft. That was our nursery. And when they built it, their stairs up to it, the light switch was at about knee level. So you had to bend down to put the light switch on. Well, that also puts the light switch at who else's spot, <laughs> right at the position that any child in the nursery could find it. We'd be in the auditorium having church, and some kid would find the switch and be turning it on and off, on and off, and we'd send somebody to run up the steps and get that kid because the, the nursery worker lost track of somebody. It was, 
It was a big, wild expanse of space, but we did the best we could with dividers and things like that, and uh, put out some carpet to create little classrooms. Uh, it was quite the, quite the deal. Uh, this was a fun project. That there was holes in the floor, and the kids would drop things down, and they never landed, and never knew where they went. It was like it was going down to China. So that was a, that was a great pastime as they... Uh, in that place. It was a mess. It was a horrible mess. Uh, but God actually grew us in that spot. We, we began to see some growth, some people coming and identifying with the church, not because of its building, not because of its crazy programs or great wealth, but just because they were hearing the word of God. They were saying, this church is trying to align itself with what the New Testament vision is. And people began to identify with us. We were kicked out of the upper level of Diamond Head. Finally, they got rid of us for good, uh, these squatters. And uh, they, we were homeless at that time. And um, as we were facing homelessness, one of the uh, memorable meetings in our church's history was the, the day that just about to head out into homelessness, not knowing where we were going, the church voted to give me a raise. It was just it was so counterintuitive uh, we needed to be squirreling away all the money we could to find a building, and they voted to give me a raise, which was a vote, I think, ultimately, to trust the Lord. To just say, we're going we're to take care of ministry, let him take care of building. Um, it's a long story. I didn't take that raise. I refused it. I made a mistake. I should have taken it. <laughs> I made all the good people mad at me. <laughs> and, uh, but at any rate, we, again, we were young and we were learning. But we did find a spot in the Burnsville High School. And just to go along with our history, it's always seemed we found trouble wherever we looked with buildings. But that was the year of the arsonist. So we had no air conditioning in a building with no heat and, or, or air conditioning. I'm sorry, with no windows. Um, and uh, we, wa we went in, of course, in May. Uh, so we got to go through the whole summer inside, no uh, ventilation really of any sort. But God gave us a little uh, lecture hall there at the Burnsville High School, and it was perfect for us, and we, we were grateful. Thank the Lord for that. That was the nursery, and we found out they do not clean the carpets in high schools until the middle of the summer somewhere because... Those carpets were nasty for kids crawling around. They're fine for people walking on them, I guess. But, but again, we did not, uh, just really a tough time there because we could only have it on Sunday mornings. It was not ideal. I mean, this is back in the era of hymn books even, and uh, you know, we're hauling them in bins and uh, trying to set up temporary signs every Sunday, and it was really a hard time. My office was at a different place in a rented facility. It was so small, we'd have deacons meeting. There'd be four of us. Two would sit in the office and two would sit in the hallway. <laughs> we couldn't even get four of us in the, the room. It was so small. And then on Wednesday nights, we were at a different place. Uh, the junior high extended campus, we fit in a little room and, and gathered for prayer and uh, some of the pursuing the spiritual disciplines there. So we were all over the place and thought this was a good motto. The ad said it was a small congregation on the move. 
And it was that. I, I literally am not making this up. I was looking through my files once and pulled out a bulletin and it said this to the effect. If you're here this morning and you see somebody not here, tell them where we'll be tonight. <laughs> that was a bulletin announcement. <laughs> Call them and tell them where we're meeting. Because I think that night we were meeting at our house or something. But it was some really challenging days. But God in his, his mercy led us to a building in Savage in 1995. We got in our cars one Saturday and the whole church went through the whole city of Burnsville to look for property. We were Burnsville Baptists. It had to be Burnsville. So uh, we looked everywhere. No one found anything. Uh, the abandoned gas station was the best thing we found of anything that we could occupy at our size and with our, our, our limited resources. But Beth and I, I said to Beth, let's just poke our nose into Savage. It seemed like the other side of the earth from where we were, but we just said, let's just, just look on the west side or the east side of Savage. And as we did that, we found this little building that was a spec warehouse. It was being put together with pieces out of another building, and it was, just, it was a bit of a mess. But I said, that looks like a church building to me. <laughs> that warehouse would be great to have a ceiling like that, and it would be just ideal. And I've been bitten with that disease now for the rest of my life. Wherever I travel, I can be in Alabama. I'm looking at buildings. That could be a church building. That could be a church building. It'll never end till I die. But uh, wherever I go, I'm just thinking like that. But that's how we were thinking. We came back and remember messages, vo uh, voicemail messages on the phone. We came back and hit the, we had a message. One of the members of our church said, I didn't find anything but I did find this building for rent in Savage. And I said to Beth, that's it. That's that building. It's for rent. I mean, it didn't even have a for sale sign on or, or rent sign or anything, but it's for rent. So we found it, and it was meant to be a garage. You'll see right there, there's two large uh, holes. Those, that was to be garage doors for trucks. It's, they're a lot bigger than they appear from this picture. This was an old grocery store now being used for making parts, chips for the casino, like plastic parts. There it was all full of machines. And this was a spec warehouse, pull, old beams pulled out of an old building that guy was just throwing up. I, I don't know why he let us in there, but we went in. This was the inside of, the, of, the, of this taller building. Uh, that's the inside. And he let us rent. So we were able to put the uh, walls up where we chose. God was merciful to help us get in there, and we filled in the holes where the trucks were supposed to go, and right about the middle of our auditorium was an oil drain <laughs> for trucks. But we said, that looks to us like, a, like an auditorium. It was a, uh, every hands-on-deck job. We met every Saturday and probably two to three nights during the week, uh, whoever could come. We'd eat lunch on Saturday, and uh, after lunch, I would go back to that little office, and I would um, uh, work on Sunday, finish up for Sunday, and it, we were exhausted, but we were so thrilled to have our first building. And uh, when I was in that office before, I go back in time just a little bit, but we, we put all the money we had toward a lease on a building, and we lost it. We, we were not the best offer. And I had the feeling at that point, it's over. This church is going to sink. 
our stuff's in storage, we have no location, this isn't going to work. And God didn't talk to me audibly, but he did minister, I think, through the Spirit in that moment and just said, I've got your back. This is my church, not yours. I'll take care of these people. I've saved them. I will nurture them. I'll put them in the church where they should be. They'll be fine, and you'll be fine. I'll take care of you. And I just was at peace in that moment, working forward, that God would provide. And he then very soon after provided this building for us. And on my way back from lunch one day from the work at the building, I saw this rainbow. It doesn't say Dan on it. I know it wasn't there for me. And the, and the photographer is horrible. Uh, but I just was a reminder. And I just pulled over and took a picture of it that God, in his mercy, his, his promises are true and they can be trusted. He was growing his church. It wasn't about what we were doing as hard as we were working, but he was growing his church. So uh, this is our first, uh, I wish I had another picture, but it's the only one I think that survived uh, the ark. You know, uh, These things are ancient pictures, but that was our first service. It was a Christmas program. We moved in in December of 1995 and we rattled around in that building and were about as thrilled as could be with our little ugly duckling building. But in that building, God allowed the, the uh, church to really advance and to see growth and development and just to get rooted in that community and, and to develop uh, our ministry there. It was an ugly building. People would drive up that were visiting. They'd look at the building and they'd leave. They wouldn't even come in. Uh, it, they, and, and we even had people that w did that and came back later and said, we have looked for a good Bible faithful church and we, we're, here we are. <laughs> but we just want you to know we did pull up once and leave. Uh, and other people, I had one guy tell me, he said, I can't be in this building. It's too claustrophobic. Uh, and, and so it was, it was a bit off-putting, but we did everything we could to do the best that we could with keeping it up and, and uh, maintaining it as well as God would allow us. And by the time we finished our time there, we had, uh, had to have two services to fit in the auditorium. This is that. So if you're look, thinking of the place where the doors were uh, for the trucks that hire, this is our auditorium. And we thought it worked really well. And we're very thankful for it. We have a few pictures here across it. But as we developed in that place and God continued to grow his church, we also had a good outreach to the neighborhood. That The first time we had VBS, I'm going to tell you this as the Crystal Lake needs to hear this. First time we had VBS, not a single person from the community came. Not one child. We were, our, our church property was in the middle of apartment buildings. We had people parking on our lot all the time. Not like this. We were like in the middle of this. Not a single kid came. The next year, maybe five. And the next year, ten. And just persistent patience over time, making connections. By the time we were finished, we had a good group of young people that would come for BBS and We'd have outreaches in our uh, parking lot there, and uh, people from all over the world were there, it seemed, and God seemed to always give us people that had the language ability to speak. Sometimes there'd be five languages going on in our, in our parking lot there as we just opened it up. This was National Night Out. We took advantage of that and reached out. But then we began to reach out throughout the world as well, not only in supporting missionaries, but also in sending. We had 
Myself and, and Dr. John Pratt were both pastors. Both of us had training in this uh, nation that was unlike what uh, many people can imagine. And so the church had the vision to begin to send us out to train pastors in other parts of the world. This was a training session. I, I taught uh, maybe 30 pastors that some of them would travel for two days by bicycle to get to this training. And it's really all they had. They were mainly just farmers, uh, subsistence farmers, and uh, they would. this was the cool season. And so they would travel. Um, it was July, but in... Uh, in that part of Africa, it was it was like winter. Uh, but um, this was the uh, changing room, and this was the kitchen, and these are the cooks <laughs> that kept uh, these guys going. And they sat on cement benches all day long for a whole week as they just ate up uh, that teaching. It was really all that they had as I worked through... Um, the theme of shepherding there. This was the group at the end of the week. And um, we were in Mozambique. Uh, Dumela, this is a uh, evangelistic event, invited the whole village, and the whole village came because it was the place to be. And uh, then also had during the week a time to train pastors. I put the word pastors kind of in quotation marks. These men uh, were living in a very remote part of the world most of these pastors were pastors I said most I don't know the number some of these pastors were pastors because they owned a bible you can imagine the problems just owning a bible made you a pastor because you, you had it and you could read it well I taught them first uh, Timothy and we had a lot to talk about <laughs> Uh, including multiple wives and all kinds of things. And the fact that you own a Bible doesn't qualify you to be a pastor. What are the qualifications for a pastor? It was really a tremendous opportunity there. And, and then, does that look familiar to anybody? <laughs> we also began to send our, our teen and young adult groups out throughout the country and to minister. And really interesting, you have uh, one of your pastors here, Josh Huber, and now a young man that grew up in our church, not grew up in our church, but grew in our church, and uh, now is an elder in our assembly. So we thank God for that. This goes way back before that was the case. We uh, have a great connection in India. We've helped uh, this man, Devasahayam, st establish a church, and Sam and Molly Day have been uh, just tremendous servants of God for many years, and we've been able to help their Bible college and churches, and our church has then now begun to even build some buildings for some of these churches and just to continue to expand. Uh, teaching pastors and Bible college leaders throughout India and Myanmar in that, in that uh, picture. All of this while we're still at the Glenhurst building. But that building, while it looks like there's lots of room, space those people out, and uh, there wasn't a lot of room. But this was our last day at the Glenhurst building, and we said goodbye to our ugly shoe uh, with, with, with really a, a, a lump in our throat. I mean, God had been amazingly good to us to give us the building. Uh, to, to, I mean, I can't, I'm not, I can't tell you the whole story, but just how we got into it and paid for it, it was a God thing. I mean, you just say, God's doing this. We couldn't pull this off. 
the owner, I don't know what the man was thinking, but I think an angel came and knocked him over the head with a wand and he just didn't think straight and let us work with this. But I, I think honestly, he's just a kind man, but he did not, he wasn't a great business move to bring us in there, but he let us get in, let us buy it. Um, we bought it for very inexpensive. Anyway, God just worked in a lot of ways, but then also through that patient persistence as we pursued I, um, ordering the church to Christ's vision, he continued to bless and to grow the assembly little by little. I don't know. There was hardly a year in the 16 years that we were at Glenhurst that you said, wow, we really grew this year. There just wasn't a year like that. There's a couple that kind of bumped forward a little faster than others, but generally it was just slow, patient, persistent growth uh, through the years. God allowed us to buy, while we were there, a field in Burnsville, and then uh, the, in the red, the property next to it over time. Both of these amazing stories of God working in ways that you just you couldn't make it happen. Uh, but he opened up these properties for us. We were scrambling in a lot of ways financially just to make this happen, but uh, the Lord blessed the Humane Society. That The red uh, property in the building that you see there in the roof was the Humane Society, which was once Burnsville City Hall and Highway 13. We purchased that property in an <laughs> amazing way. Uh, just no one thought it would be possible, but we did by God's grace, set up our sign that this would be our future home, and then uh, began to demolish the uh, Humane Society. It was unrecoverable. Building new on top of it was about the same price as trying to fix it. And I don't know that we could have fixed it. Everything would have, it was built in the 60s and everything was old and just would have had to have been gutted. So we gutted it, made the money out of the, uh, whatever we could recover. It was all hands on deck again. And a lot, these are dog kennels that we took down. And I think the cement under those dog kennels, I'm kind of glad we got new cement. I don't think that would have ever gone away, that smell. But uh, eventually demolished that building and cleared it out. And then began construction. And I, this is through tremendous sacrifice on the part of God's people. People gave above their capacity and really stuck their necks out in saying, we're going to, we're going to, trust God to help us give uh, certain amounts of money, each a family and individual. And it was uh, a lot of sacrifice that went into it, but uh, the Lord allowed us to get the, buy the big erector set and they started putting panels in place. Those guys have fun and whatever they did as kids are just doing as adults now, but put in, putting that, so we could not do that. Of course, those pieces had to be done by a company, but, uh, there by the high school, if you haven't seen the building in this uh, our interior, which uh, on our dedication day looked uh, a lot nicer than that. <laughs> but uh, we did work a lot on the inside and um, on the property, and this was our day of dedication back in 19, 19, 2012, back in uh, Easter of 2012, our first day in. So here's... Um, picture from a bird apparently somebody's flying around there and I, I just think as we kind of think through and uh, what God has done um, you know what let me come back to that um, I, I, I missed a piece in here 
let me give five minutes to it, if I can keep it at that. As God was developing and growing uh, the assembly, when he does that, he does that by bringing people to Christ the Savior, that you, you work hard to make contacts and draw people, but you realize, again, it's he who is at work. It's the Lord that's doing that, that only God can bring you into touch with people who are even open to hearing the gospel. And, and there were those who came to know Christ, and, and we rejoiced in that, uh, God was growing the church as we were fanning out throughout the world in some ways to advance the cause in different places. And as he was helping us to learn uh, sacrifice. But with all of that growth, uh, there was also the growth of suffering. And he deepened the church through a lot of trials. And uh, particularly, I'll mention some, uh, we had a man... I mentioned him yesterday at the seminar, but um, he, God just uniquely worked to permit us and to permit me, in fact, uniquely, to work with this young man through every aspect of life. He came as an unbeliever. He came to trust Christ as Savior. I baptized him. I started discipleship Bible studies with him and his uh, girlfriend. Then did premarital counsel with them as they got ready to marry. Then I married them. Then I was at the hospital, a much smaller church. I could do that, and they were in the hospital for a long time back then. So I saw three of his children in the hospital. Uh, he became a deacon in our church over time, and uh, just that integral part of the assembly. And with three preschool children, God took him home. Uh, he he developed brain cancer, and uh, just in a heart-wrenching demise of this strong, um, faithful man, he uh, succumbed to cancer, and he had three preschool children. That was a really, really hard loss. I don't know that I've ever been closer to any individual in the context of our church than to Brandon Fish, but God took him, and uh, we suffered for it. Some years later, and not terribly long later, there was a family in our church, kind of the, the uh, ideal photogenic family, you know, just, the, just everything uh, going so well in their life. And um, they were on a trip uh, north to North Dakota on Memorial Day, and a car accident took the husband immediately, took the 17-year-old daughter immediately, uh, caused permanent brain damage to the son and the other daughter uh, severe injuries that she ha will live with the rest of her life though she has recovered um, and is functional today and the mother was was fine uh, she you know some small small injuries but uh, tragic tragic time and it took the energies of our church it just drained them we were driving her to HCMC every single day to see Jacob, who was in that hospital. Three months, something like that, and then came out, had a problem, and went back in for another month or two. And we were driving her back and forth. She just was not going to drive, and you can understand. It took her a long time to get the courage to drive again. And so we, we were providing meals and caring for their home and um, just it, it deepened us as a church. It was extremely hard. 
when I always say when channel five shows up at your evening service, it's not a good night. <laughs> They're not there because good things have happened. Uh, and, and we did, we had camera crew in our, in our building. Um, and then it wasn't, I think a year and a half later, and one of the faithful men in our church, a Sunday school teacher of my kids that they loved, uh, God took him home in a car accident on the way to work in Iowa. Uh, he was up here, just had a meeting in Iowa, and he was uh, killed on an icy highway. Um, and again, just the, the heartache and the trial, and that coming so short after the, the other accident, uh, we heard stories that within our community there were people saying, do not go to Eden Baptist Church. They're cursed. That's, that was a story that was circulating. And um, what we knew was we were not cursed. That's the last thing we were. Uh, Christ has taken the curse. He's paid the penalty. He's given us life in Him and He's given us the strength to handle such trials and such heartaches, and they are deep heartaches. But I, I just want to balance it. As God grows a church, he's going to grow you also through suffering and through difficulty. And as, as we face those things, we, we need to know our God. We need to know who he is. We need to know what his promises are and to cling to them and to trust them and to know. In fact, Geraldine, the mother that survived the accident where she lost two family members, and today her son lives with her with a damaged brain, almost blind, hardly able to walk, uh, kind of just shuffles. Uh, but you know, she has just been faithful to him through these years. But I remember her saying to me, I did, in so many words, I didn't know what I was gaining, but as I was hearing the word of God and the picture of a great God, a sovereign God, whose promises are true and amen in Christ, I was being prepared for this. When, when this hit, I had a solid foundation, a biblical truth to stand on. And she's, she's hung in there through these years, continuing to trust the Lord and a tremendous testimony of faith to many who uh, comes from an unsaved family, a large family. Both of them did, in fact. And she's been a tremendous testimony to both of those extended families uh, over time. But again, back to the point then, I think is just to end where we began, and that is that God-glorifying church growth is realized through patient, persistent pursuit of all that the risen Christ wants his church to be. What does Jesus want the church to be? He's not hiding it. It's not us out there trying to figure it out or what are other churches doing that's working. It's not that. It's going to the text of Scripture and finding what the apostles said about the vision that Jesus left for us and saying we want to bend our church, conform our church to what Jesus' vision is. This isn't rocket science, right? He's the risen Christ. It, it, he's the one who's saving people. Why would we not want to conform our church to what the risen Christ is doing and wants done in his church? But that generally does not happen easily. It's a hard plow in this world. This world is bent against what Christ wants. And so we have to work patiently, persistently over time and not quit and not 
turn away from the project, but continue to serve day by day, trusting him to bring the growth. And all of that in utter dependence upon the Holy Spirit, who can accomplish as the mediator in some sense of Christ's power on earth, he is the only one that can save people. He's the only one that can purify people. And so little by little, we persistently, patiently walk in faithfulness to him. By his grace, he will bring the growth. And I think before Crystal Lake Baptist Church is this very project. Will we conform to what the risen Christ desires? And will we be patient and persistent in trusting him and doing the hard work one day at a time? You, in this spot where this church stands, are in a tough spot. It's, it's that early, plowing, hard, uh, everything so hard won position. But on the other hand, you're in a wonderful place. And that's a place where you have a part in steering the faithfulness of this assembly to becoming all that God wants you to be. And I pray to that end that he'll continue to do that. Lord, I do pray for this church and ask that it would grow and prosper in the right way. Bring about great good for the glory of your name and bring about our faithfulness to pursue you in, the, in a right way in dependence upon your spirit. Bring new life into this assembly, I pray, and bring faithfulness and trust as, they, as people put their confidence in you and realize that you are at work to sanctify your church. Through Christ we pray, amen.